Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today, since we are talking about airbrushing, I got to admit, I have a subscription to two lady mags, Mm -hmm. as they're referred to on the internets, uh, Glamour Mm -hmm. and Harper's Bazaar. And Harper's Bazaar isn't quite... I don't know. It's, it's, it's not quite as airbrush friendly as glamour is. And I would be lying if I said I have not flipped through and made a game out of looking for obvious airbrushes in, Mm -hmm. um, like on cover shots or in advertisements. Right. Yeah, there comes a point when you start looking at ads thinking, you know, you you might think, gosh, they don't have any pores. And then you realize they don't have any pores. Right. Uh, it, they start to look like paintings. Oh, and especially now that, that swimsuit season is coming upon us, all of those advertisements for a swimwear with just the, those smooth, those impossibly smooth <laughs> buttockses. <laughs> What's the plural of buttocks? Buttai? Buttocksy? Um, yeah, it, there's no, we've talked about cellulite before on the podcast, and the takeaway from that is that everyone has it, unless you are an airbrushed model or someone with cellulite free jeans, which is really rare. Yeah. And, uh, th- there's a lot of, uh, cellulite free celebrities in this, uh, Jezebel slideshow that we looked at. They, they showed some of the, the worst. They might not have cellulite, but they didn't have waists or arms or sometimes legs either. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we have to give some credit to Jezebel as one of the first big, at least online whistleblowers of um, airbrushing and creating these unrealistic portraits of women, whether they mm-hmm. be models or celebrities. Yeah, but <laughs> unrealistic to some people. A uh, point of admiration and pride for others. According to the editors itself, they said that the cover that they posted of Kelly Clarkson a while ago, all airbrushed and thinned down uh, from what she naturally looks like, they said it's not, as in a news photograph, journalism. It is, however, meant to inspire women to be their best. What? <laughs> What, but so by slimming someone down to what she doesn't look like, we should idealize the idealized version of someone else. You just blew my mind. I know. Um, there's also that great Newsweek cover of Martha Stewart. Um, I wish I knew exactly which year it was from, but it was, I want to say was it was in when jail. She was, okay, it was while she was doing some time mm-hmm. and they pasted her head on a model's body. And Martha Stewart is not, she doesn't need a model's body, you know, to sub for her own, like, already fit enough body. Right. Well, they said it was a photo illustration because they couldn't get a hold of her body because that body was in jail. So they were like, we're just going to take a photo. But yeah, exactly. Why didn't they just use a picture of her that already existed? Mm -hmm. And celebrities have also taken umbrage at being excessively airbrushed. For instance, there was Kate Winslet um, speaking out publicly against a GQ cover in which she was slimmed down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually, if you look at the before and after, uh, she looks great 
in the before. Mm-hmm. And she she agrees. She said that the retouching is excessive. I do not look like that. And more importantly, I don't desire to look like that. And she said that by her estimation, it looked like they reduced the size of her thighs by a third. But of course, we also have to mention the most egregious example of extreme airbrushing from an October 2009 Ralph Lauren ad featuring model Philippa Hamilton, who was already very model-esque, mm-hmm. very svelte, and her waist. They some, I, I don't know what the graphic designer was doing and also the person who signed off on this right. advertisement who, because it, it just, it, it looks almost grotesque. Like How you much? could just snap her in half. Yeah, her, it almost, her, her waist was trimmed down so much. It looked incredibly unnatural and almost painful. Like when you see that, you, you don't think, oh, look at those nice Ralph Lauren clothes. I would like to look like that. You think, oh, oh no. Yeah. Her waist. Exactly. Poor girl. What happened to her? But, uh, yeah, this is not just limited to, to modern day celebrities and some models. Even Audrey Hepburn wasn't immune to this. And in a book released for the 50th anniversary of Breakfast at Tiffany's last year, uh, that included a photo, uh, a promotional photo of her. And it had before and after shots. She looks gorgeous in both photos, but the before photo had the little, uh, grease pencil markings of where to, to do some airbrushing. Smooth her out a little bit. This is before, even before the days of Photoshop. Because they had to really want to do it. <laughs> I know, and she looks she looks great. And we also have to point out, too, before we go any further, that this issue of airbrushing is not just about women's bodies. Um, male models are also subject to this as well. I mean, think of pick up a cover of a uh, of men's fitness, and you probably will see some very airbrushed you could, abdominals. Yeah, you could store things in some of those ab crevices. <laughs> right. Um, and there was, I, I believe, Brad Pitt came out. He was going to be on the cover of W Magazine and explicitly stated beforehand that he did not want to be airbrushed at all and even requested that Chuck Close photograph him because Close is known for his extremely realistic um, photography that, that shows off all of your quote-unquote blemishes in a very interesting and almost even more attractive way. And it's not just about body measurements, but it's also about skin tone, too. There have been controversies over L'Oreal um, lightening, allegedly lightening Beyonce's skin tone in certain right. advertisements. Yeah, some people said that it was an issue of the lighting, mm-hmm. that they just used really bright lighting to show how shiny her hair is. Or you just made her look pale. Right. So this clearly isn't just a reflection of a thin ideal, but it's this white thin ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into this issue of whether or not it is creating a, you know, negative body images, um, creating these idealized standards that we will never be able to live up to, we got to recognize that photo manipulation is by no means a new thing and has been happening ever since the advent of photography. Yeah. Uh, Dartmouth College professor Haney Fareed pointed out uh, on the Smithsonian website that Lincoln, Lincoln. So first we have Audrey Hepburn and now Lincoln. What is the world coming to? But Lincoln's head was plopped onto the body of John Calhoun, which is kind of ironic considering he was a southern pro-slavery politician. And uh, back around the same era, Civil War photographer Matthew Brady also doctored photos to create a more dramatic scene. And he wasn't the only one. Stalin, Mao, and Castro are just a few of the leaders who have had their political enemies airbrushed out of photos. I wonder if they were airbrushed out of life as well. 
Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, just as an example of some of the historical photo manipulation that is going, because it seems like this um, affected, photo manipulation affected men, unlike how it seems to be more of this women's issue today, probably because, uh, you know, men were the, the ones being photographed right. from their seats of power. For instance, in 1902, there was this photograph of Ulysses Grant on a horse in front of yes i'm i'm sitting sitting here pretending to uh to have my my hands on the reins of a horse and he's sitting in front of an encampment but indeed no 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 that never actually happened um because it was actually three photos spliced together it was a different general's body grant's head came from a completely different photo of him leaning against a tree and then the background of the encampment was from yet a third photograph yeah and it does look kind of i don't i don't think this guy did a great job I mean, it kind of looks like a weird, a weird, was, weird tiny Grant's head on a robust body standing in front of a background. But it was 1902. Well, yeah, okay. Okay, I'll cut them a little slack for their early manipulation. And then there is also uh, the controversy over the Pulitzer Prize winning photo of uh, that was taken at Kent State of a student leaning over one of the other students who had been shot and killed by National Guardsmen. Um, and Life magazine editors decided to airbrush out a pole that was um, behind the girl's head in right. the background. And yes, it does. And the original does look like there's a pole sticking out of her head. But the original photographer, I can't remember what his name is, but he was incensed that Life magazine would do that because yeah. it's still, even though it's you say it's just a pole, but is just a pole the slippery slope down to Philippa Hamilton, Ralph Lauren models, impossibly tiny waist? Exactly. And it's that slippery slope <laughs> that uh, authorities are fighting against, particularly advertising the Advertising Standards Authority in the UK. This is coming from Ad Age, and in July 2011, uh, the authority in the UK banned two L'Oreal magazine ads. So, yes. so not we're not talking anymore about the same thing with the history and the horses and the encampments. Now we're into uh, lying about the effects of, or oh, I'm sorry, exaggerating the effects of makeup. Right. There was the two ads in question feature. Julie Roberts for Lancome and Christy Turlington for Maybelline. Now, Ms. Roberts and Ms. Turlington, both gorgeous women who need no airbrushing. Um, but if you, if you look at the ads, they have, again, the poreless skin. Dewy. Yes, very, very dewy. And they were banned in the UK for exaggeration and for being misleading. Basically saying, Hey, Lancome and Maybelline, there is no way on earth that the makeup products that these two women are advertising actually can remove even the mere sight of a pore, can make your skin look that completely perfect. You're misleading consumers. Right. And ASA ruled that L'Oreal provided insufficient evidence that it had not overly airbrushed the images. They said that on the basis of the evidence we received, we could not conclude that the ad image accurately illustrated what the effect of the product could achieve. So they they are making an effort to protect 
consumers and try to maybe raise awareness and, and media literacy. Right. It's not necessarily the issue of the negative body image standards saying, you know, Julia Roberts' face shouldn't be in a magazine because she's just too darn pretty. <laughs> it's more an issue of what they're saying about or trying to lead us to believe about a product. Mm-hmm. And then on February 1st, 2012, the ASA took action again, banning a L'Oreal ad featuring Rachel White's. Um, and she is hawking a product for anti-aging mm-hmm. cream. And if you look at the ad, I my impression of it was, what a beautiful watercolor. It's that because perfect. Because she's so, it's like she is formed out of fine fluff. I mean, you can't even see, there are no wrinkles, no pores, no nothing. It's like she doesn't even cast a shadow. And again, Rachel Weiss, another beautiful, non-airbrush needed non airbrush needed. That's that's poor grammar, but you guys get what I <laughs> mean. Get, she's so upset that she's throwing around negatives. Uh, she then I think it was on either Slate or Salon dot com that had a a side by side photo of the the airbrushed ad, which was lovely and watercolor esque, and then a picture a close up picture of her from a red carpet, and still lovely and also very calming to my soul to see that if you look closely, she does have poor and slight crow's feet. Yeah, a little bit of adult acne, too. Just like us. Just like... Just, we are covered. <laughs> covered. sounds great. Um, well, in response to the banning of this Rachel Weiss ad, L'Oreal said they didn't believe that the ad exaggerates the effect that can be achieved using this product, to which I say, are you kidding me? <laughs> but maybe it's something that we should expect by now, that... Okay, think about think about all of those mascara advertisements. Yeah. I mean, there's if you I love looking at those as I'm flipping through my glamour and my Harper's Bazaar. The mascara advertisements are my most favorite because I will stare at those just the individual hairs that were obviously superimposed onto them. There is no way that you that any mascara product can separate each each individual some hair. Of, some of these companies would beg to differ. Or if there is, someone, someone <laughs> let me know because I need to get my hands on it. Um, but these ASA rulings against the advertisements are led by MP Joe Swinson in the UK. She's the co-founder of the Campaign for Body Confidence and a former marketing manager. And she has been fighting against unrealistic images of women in advertising. And she's usually at the helm of these anti-makeup ads. Campaigns. Yes, and her opinion is shared by the American Medical Association, which in June 2011 adopted a policy to encourage advertising associations to develop guidelines to discourage photo alterations that could promote unrealistic expectations of appropriate body image. So now we're getting, we've gotten past the history where photos are being main, uh, manipulated for leaders, purposes, whatever, to achieve some sort of end. Mm-hmm. And then it was to just make women's skin look good. And now we're getting into concerns about how this photoshopping, airbrushing stuff can affect people, children, teenagers. Right, because the ASA ruling saying, hey, pull those L'Oreal or Lancome ads are all about um, advertising and consumer habits and really just hitting the your wallets. But the AMA coming out against Photoshopping has more to do with what, is, what it's doing to our brains. Mm-hmm. But I will say that their statement was kind of vague in their rationale, mm-hmm. citing a, quote, 
large body of literature, no specific studies um, that link exposure to media-propagated images of unrealistic body image to eating disorders and other child and adolescent health problems. Mm-hmm. And that that correlation makes sense. There are all of these corollary relationships between media exposure, seeing excessively thin models or excessively airbrushed models, and then internalizing those images as to what you should then see in the mirror. But in terms of establishing a causational relationship between airbrushing and eating disorders, we get into some sketchier areas. Right. Elizabeth Pearl over at Huffington Post followed this AMA ruling up by saying that Photoshop isn't the issue. It's part of a much larger issue about women and the media and uh, impressions that we give to our kids. Specifically, she says that the pervasive use of image alteration software is only one small piece of the strong sexist undercurrent that continues to dehumanize women as objects in the vast majority of these images. And she said that really the issue is that women and men are still under pressure to be thin enough to even be on the cover. Right. Is it so much about the airbrushing that's happening or the standard that those men and women are being airbrushed to, whether that's lightening of the skin, whether that's um, erasing crow's feet or minimizing waist or carving out, you know, trenches of six packs in (laughs) in men's in men's wastes. Hubba hubba. <laughs> um, and, and going along those same lines, eating disorder specialist Carrie Arnold was quoted by psychologist Vivian Diller, um, kind of also debunking this idea of airbrushing being the root of all evil. Um, she was saying that we don't think ads for disinfectant somehow promote OCD. And so we also don't think that those Bluetooth headsets promote schizophrenia because it looks like you're talking to yourself. It does. I am fooled all the time by people with headsets. I'm sorry, what were you saying? Oh, oh, never I, mind. I just wear a Bluetooth headset so it's more acceptable when I am talking to myself. <laughs> Right. Well, she says that, uh, Arnold says that condemning Photoshop may be good for a good story. It might raise controversy. We're talking about it. But she questions its validity, the validity of the connection between these eating disorders, body image, and airbrushing. Well, I think it might be an easy scapegoat to say, oh, it's the technology these days. <laughs> this newfangled technology. But, but no, it's been going on for a really long time. Think about that, that Audrey Hepburn photo. Right. But, I mean... So these people are sort of raising questions. They're being skeptical about it. But I still think it's an important point to bring up. Absolutely. Um, that, you know, it's, airbrushing is not the most evil thing. Obviously, we need to work on media portrayal of women mm-hmm. and men and men. Uh, but, yeah, just airbrushing is part of that. To me, it's more an issue of media savvy, which is one reason why Haney Fareed, who you mentioned earlier, um, has developed a way, or, well, I should say he's developed a mathematical model to measure the amount of Photoshopping done on an image. Yeah, each, uh, he presented these, some photos to some people, and each altered photograph was scored between one and five, with five for heavy retouching, and the, the, the human volunteers, as they put it, uh, scored photos from one to five, and they found a close correlation between the people's assumption of how much something had been airbrushed and the actual airbrushing done. So it seems like people are more savvy than we give them credit for. 
Um, but he is saying that there should be a rating next to a photo, mm-hmm. according to his mathematical model. That way you could automatically know that a photo has been retouched. For instance, um, a lot of news magazines will clarify, they'll footnote if um, an image is a photo illustration. Exactly. Like the Newsweek cover of Martha Stewart <laughs> with <laughs> Martha Stewart's head on someone else's body. That is a photo illustration. It is a composite of something else. That, and they want to clarify that to make sure that they aren't misleading readers into altering their their sense of reality. And so Farid is saying that you can use this kind of one to five rating scale to do the same thing. And I think that could be pretty helpful. Right. And Farid is not the only one who wants disclaimers alongside photos. Uh, The founders of Off Our Chests recently launched a self-esteem act campaign to pass a bill that would regulate the digital retouching of models in magazines and advertisements. And so they want disclaimers alongside photos, too. So a lot of people want it to be very clear that these photos are airbrushed. So it sounds like that Self-Esteem Act campaign would be the the U.S. sort of uh, companion to those U.K. Um, advertising standards that have become more strict. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that there would ever come a point that, that the government would legislate how much a model's body can be airbrushed on the cover mm-hmm. of Glamour. I think that it's easier to um, to tie it into advertising standards. I mean, if she's sitting there mm-hmm. holding a, a bottle of shampoo, then they might be able to institute something. But I don't think airbrushing is going anywhere anytime soon, which is why commonsensemedia.org um, really encourages parents to make sure that kids know that celebrities have stylists and hairdressers and personal trainers. And you know what? It's not just the kids. It's the, you know, I have to remind myself yeah. of that when I'm flipping through glamour, especially if I might be feeling dumb one day and I'm flipping through and I see those individually separated eyelashes and the cellulite less buttockses still have fig- I gotta figure out the plural to buttocks um, bottoms bottoms all those all those smooth bottoms and and I have to remind myself that you know what this is this is a product of technology this is a product of it being someone's job yeah to look fantastic. It's well, it's their job to look fantastic. It is someone else's job to sell the product to us. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I look at my pores sometimes going back to pores and I'm like, "Oh my god, I have buckets on my face." And then I look back and I'm like, "Well, no, you look like a normal person. Your pores aren't huge, self. Don't worry about it. Don't be taken in by those altered images." And I can't see your pores at all. See? Thanks. And, and it's not just cuz I'm I'm not that good with sightseeing. <laughs> But I do think, too, by the same token, that kids are more knowledgeable of this than we might give them credit for. There was uh, a forum on the New York Times asking kids whether or not um, airbrushed images of models affected them, like if they saw an image of a model, if it made them, if they internalized that and it made them feel bad about their bodies. And if you scroll, I mean, granted, I mean, you have to think about the the kind of self-selected population of kids who are going on. They're probably already pretty astute if they're commenting on the New York Times when they're 13 years old. Um, but by and large, scrolling through the 200 plus comments, a lot of them said without prompting, well, we know that this is just how they're supposed to look. They know what airbrushing is. Yeah. They have Photoshop on their on their <laughs> laptops. Exactly. They Yes, they know and they are aware and that's excellent. I think those are great strides that have been made. But 
not to hammer home anything, beat me dead horses here, but it's- Beat dead horses. I, well, I'm gonna. It's, it is. It's still part of that larger cultural shift that needs to happen. We need, you know, part of that effort to get people with m- more real bodies uh, depicted in ads and whatnot. Right. Um, But then we have to we have to play devil's advocate Mm -hmm. for just a second, because, yes, there is some devil's advocacy to this. And it's the kind of contrived notion that airbrushing is a way to combat ageism. Right. Wait for it. Here it comes. Yep. Former model Tara Moss in the Sydney Morning Herald, she was part of a a big, there was like a big giant clump of opinions about airbrushing. And she said that the rise of airbrushing has given us glossier images, but it has its virtues. She says that few 40-something models and celebrities were on magazine covers before this huge rise in, uh, you know, photoshopping little blemishes and whatnot out. So basically she's saying that it is keeping a, a select group of attractive 40-some models yeah. in in. Employed. I don't know. Like, apparently we wouldn't pay attention to Meryl Streep anymore if we didn't have airbrushing. Right. That's I what mean, I'm reading this as. Because Tara Moss, doesn't that just feed this whole, the whole Botox culture? Right. Of saying, hey, oh, wow, look at that model. She looks incredible and she's 45. Looks like I need some lip filler. Well, you know, I was talking, I was actually talking uh, with Kristen about this the other day. There was some magazine article several years ago. I, I feel like it was in one of my mother's magazines. And it featured Jamie Lee Curtis, but she was adamant that she would not be airbrushed. I don't know, I don't know about the cover, but inside the magazine, she had a photo taken of her in, in like shorts and a sports bra, letting it all hang out. You know, she, no makeup, obviously no shirt, so you could see a little bit of celebrity muffin top. And I, I thought that was a pretty good move. Yeah, um, one of my, one of my favorite kind of attempts by a magazine to show the natural, natural beauty, um, was, it was, I guess in 2011, there was a Harper's Bazaar cover of Lady Gaga, and the the big headline was, Gaga, no makeup. But she clearly had on makeup, but it was just makeup to make it look like she didn't have makeup. I'm sure if Gaga took all of her makeup off, she'd be a lovely gal nonetheless. Um, but I, I just think it's funny how, how magazines are clearly cognizant of this airbrushing issue, but they still try to get around it by embracing natural beauty, but naturally enhanced with very good lighting <laughs> and concealer. And the fact of the matter is, too, Caroline, that a lot of women are not averse to personal touch-ups and airbrushing. That is certainly true. Uh, there was a glamour poll of a 1,000 women. 41% of women ages 18 to 24 said they had retouched their own photos. 20% of women aged 30 to 34 said they've done so. And this ranges, you know, from Facebook photos to online dating shots to, you know, whatever. 60% said it's okay to tweak personal photos. 65% of the women who actually did it removed skin imperfections. A few, uh, fewer women, 36% erased stray hairs and 34% whitened teeth. So apparently skin is way more important than hair. 
That's what I'm getting from this. Well, I wonder, too, though, if the glamour poll results are also the product of that self-selection, like I was talking mm-hmm. about with the, the New York Times, because you, you might be able to make the argument that maybe these women are more open to airbrushing because they are regular glamour readers. Hello, and, comes full circle. Right. And they want, you know, they, they expect to look or try, aspire to look as great as their favorite airbrushed celebrities. Whether we know, it's like we know it in our head that that's not exactly what, um, the, what is it, Star Magazine that has the, the segment on like stars without makeup. Yeah, they um, all do it. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we know that that is more of the reality, but it's the images that we're fed that are, are so heavily retouched and are lovely to look at that we might internalize more than we think. Yeah, and there are cameras Cameras can do it. You don't even have to get the software anymore. Mm-hmm. There are cameras that are sold now with airbrushing capabilities. So you can you can get rid of your red eye and whiten your teeth, but you can also apply makeup, which is so strange. And I don't know how people come out of that not looking like cartoons. I mean, the hipstamatic filter on, <laughs> on my iPhone is pretty flattering for your complexion. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So I think it's time now to turn this over to the listeners. Is airbrushing creating unrealistic beauty standards or is this just another byproduct of the unrealistic beauty standards that we have established long ago and have only perpetuated through time yeah how aware are you of the airbrushing that goes into these magazines and does it bother you does it still sort of make you feel like your pores should be smaller or guys that your abdominals should be much much more defined and carved out like cubby holes (laughs) yes and younger listeners out there, too, I especially want to hear from you all to know whether or not um, when you see those images of of models, whether it, you internalize it or if uh, something clicks in your head saying, hey, you know, I know what that is. Mm-hmm. That's airbrushing. And you go about your day. <laughs> all these things we would like to know. Momstuff at Discovery.com is where you can send your letters and you can always Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter as well at Mom Stuff Podcast. And we got a couple emails here to share in the meantime. Yeah, this one's from Alan in response to our foster care podcast. Uh, years ago, I had a neighbor friend, single train wreck of a mom, doing an abysmal job raising a darling little girl who deserved, as most children, so much more. More than once, babysitters or nannies called Child Protective Services. I was one of the key people besides the mom they interviewed. I had to make a choice whether to let this girl go into foster care or lie to the social workers in order to keep her out. I decided that if I helped raise this little girl and be a positive influence as I could, even with the negative influences in her home, it would still be better to at least have a mom and one home rather than the foster care system. My responsibilities raising this girl grew to the point in which her mom was away for a time and I was her legal guardian. When her mom was away, I took the opportunity to move her upstate to a rural community. She is now a young teenager doing all the things that teenage girls do. She plays soccer, basketball, and softball, does well enough in school, and loves fashion and boys. Her mom has since moved nearby, so while I take most of the responsibility of raising this young lady, she is still able to spend time as she wishes with her biological mother. Well, I got an email here from Adrian, and this is in response to our episode about whether or not doctors are listening to us. And she has had her own uh, sort of medical runarounds, and she's now in school for medical sociology. And she had a list of things to share with us that are helpful for uh, for going into the doctor, things to do before you see the doc. 
It says make a list of all your symptoms, even if they seem small and unrelated this way. You will not get flustered and forget when the doctor seems to be breezing past you during the quick visit. Keep a diary of your systems and note every day that you experience something. And if you're having GI systems, you may even want to keep a diary of food intake. If you're on a lot of medication, always keep an up-to-date list of what you are on. Once you receive a diagnosis, look for support groups on Facebook. I've learned more about having, living, and coping with chronic pancreatitis through support groups on Facebook than I ever have from any doctors. Five, ask for copies of tests and medical records. Six, if you don't like one doctor's opinion, seek the advice of another doctor. And finally, don't be afraid to ask questions or call the nurse back later. I'm sure we have all left the doctor's office and immediately afterward thought of something that you missed before. So thanks to Adrian and to Alan and everyone else who's written in. MomStuffAtDiscovery.com is the email address if you'd like to send us a letter. Or you can also leave a comment on Facepage. Give us a like. Tell us how you're doing. You can follow us on Twitter as well at MomStuffPodcast. And finally, you can check out the blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you